I'll count you in. Three, two. What are you one. counting in for? We're not doing regional radio. <laughs> <laughs> You just start. Is the red light on? Ah, uh, yes. I'm rolling. It's Dad Pod, Dad Pod. Let's get ready for Dad Pod. Dad Pod, Dad Pod. Now it's time for Dad Pod. Have you got your headphones in because the baby's sleeping? Dad Pod, Dad Pod. Happy Father's Day, Charlie Clawson. Happy Father's Day, Osher Ginsburg. How are you going? This is your first Father's Day. I've had heaps because George is in my life. This is your first Father's Day. How are you feeling? Yeah, this is my first Father's Day, and uh, it feels it feels good. I actually feel like I've had a very concentrated period of fatherhood in the past two months because uh, Jen, my wife, has been uh, working full time, and so I've been the uh, dedicated stay at home parent. And at first, it was like, oh man, I don't think I'm any good at this. But like anything, <laughs> like anything, Osh, you apply yourself, you just stick to your guns, and uh, I actually feel like. Someone once said to me, describe parenthood as it's like getting a toy for Christmas that every time you play with it, you find you discover a new feature. It's like a transformer, you know, like suddenly it does this, suddenly it does that. And that's what I'm sort of finding about fatherhood is that the initial stresses of it, which is really just about keeping this thing alive, if you can get past that and get to this sort of like six-month age yeah. where they start to interact more and respond. Like now I'm getting cuddles. Now she's saying da-da. Now she's doing all these kind of like she's – we have games and little like little things that we play with each other, running jokes and all that kind of stuff. It's actually – I feel like I'm getting the hang of this. Someone asked me the other day, a friend of mine's a photographer and he's doing a portrait series on fatherhood and he asked me what is the most surprising thing about fatherhood – and I thought about it, and what has surprised me the most is the the stuff that I thought I'd hate the most is the stuff that I love the most. Like before I was a father, the idea of getting up at two in the morning and settling a, a screaming child and stuff was like, oh, how am I going to – like I'm going to have to pretend. <laughs> I'm going to have to pretend I'm uh, into this. Uh, uh. But honestly, Osh, I love it. Like I actually go to sleep looking forward to maybe getting a 2 a.m. or a 3 a.m. wake up because that's when the house is quiet – you know, where I live in Sydney, you can actually hear the ocean. You can't hear it during the day because there's so much bloody traffic. But at night, I can hear the waves rolling in and I'll sit in that beautifully salt lamp lit room. It's gentle. It's quiet. I'm rocking in a rocking chair and I'm looking down at this little face that I created. Came from my balls. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> well, that's crude. But you know what I mean. That's like, true. It's weird. It's, it's true. It's, it's beautiful. Quite, it's quite a profound moment that I have on a regular basis and I can access this yeah. whenever I want. So that's a long-winded way of saying fatherhood is pretty great yeah. for me, right? <laughs> so I've been, as you know, I've been in, in COVID-19 lockdown in Victoria in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. We're recording this from... But we're, we're, we're doing this online. I can't see the video, but Osher and I are the uh, epitome of Sydney versus Melbourne. I'm here in my... T-shirt with my trucker cap. Osh is wearing yeah. a hoodie and a beanie. Yeah, absolutely. Like the original odd couple. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've been away. I've been away from home for five weeks now. So I've missed, mm. which is wild. You know, I've missed a tenth of his life, you know, because I've been away. I missed his first birthday and um, I'm not there today. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about, this idea of being able to at first, you really, I remember before he got born, I was saying to Audrey, but what if I'm not, I was really afraid, you know, what if I'm not going to be able to save him from something that's overwhelming him? What if he's so upset that I can't 
help him be okay. And um, I was really afraid of that. And that feeling, sometimes when I do settle him, when I do get him quiet, you know, you've got that, that incredible feeling. But as you mentioned, it feels incredible when you do get them to calm down and you do get them to finally fall asleep. But then I also know, and, and at first it, I, I had my ego, my stupid little ego, had a, had a big hard time dealing with it. I couldn't get around it, but then now I'm okay with it. Now I just understand like, no, 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 Audrey's body secretes pheromones that are different to mine. And so her cuddles are better than my cuddles. They just are. That's what's going on because my stupid ego kicks in as well because it's like, because it's, I will be with her all day. And, you know, I get her up, I feed her, we go to the park, put her down for naps, give her bottles and stuff. And I'm like, well, here I am, Mr. Dependable, Mr. Reliable. But then mum comes home and it's like the Beatles have arrived. <laughs> like I'm going to get so excited. Can't yep. wait to get into mum's arms. Jen yep. tries to hand it back to me. She starts crying, wants to go back to mum. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, well, kid, wait yeah, a minute. Yeah, I've been yeah. here the entire time. Yeah. And you just got to accept that. That you 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 don't have that, and the kid's not trying to be you know playing favorites. Mm. It's just there. It's just a natural yeah. part of nature. And at first, I had to wrestle my ego to the ground and just hold it down by the neck for a little while because I was like, I can settle the baby. You stay on the couch, yeah. you know. And she just looked at me and like, fuck you. The baby's just gonna scream and scream and scream. Yeah. Mate, you're speaking my language. That is the number one thing that I have to check myself about with this in this first year. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we actually explained at the start of what we're talking about here, but it's uh, we, we thought for Father's Day we'd do a retrospective on our, yeah. on our um, my first year as a dad and your first year with a, a newborn as a dad. Yeah. And there is this kind of like ego thing that happens when I have to monitor myself to not get defensive, you know, when – I've gone in to settle and maybe I'm not having much success or whatever and then Jem will come in to see if I need to lend a hand and I have to resist the urge to get defensive and shitty, you know, that I can do it. Like if you just leave me, oh, like, oh, I almost had it, I almost had it. Like it, there is, I don't know what part of me is bubbling up there but I often have to catch myself to be like this is not a competition, you know. Your partner offering to help you settle is not a judgment on your parenting. It's acknowledgement that sometimes it doesn't, happen easily, you know, that sometimes you, you you need a little help. And in so many ways, you are checking your ego at the door, not even, you know, with your partner, but with the baby. Like, I find myself getting offended at baby's behavior. Like, I feel like the baby's, you know, I is trying to pull one over me or something like that. And it's like, wait a minute. And it's like, she's not, she's not, this is not a judgment in your character. She's not trying to, you know, pull a, a swift one past you. It's this thing of letting go of that. And it's selflessness, really. Like it's yeah. it's a, a complete lesson in selflessness. And I lived a very selfish life up until twelve months ago. Well, selfish in a partnership. We we lived a very selfish existence as a couple. But seeing how Jem has embraced motherhood, and it's funny, we were talking the other day uh, about stuff, and um, she was like, she was just she's so happy being a mother. She loves it, and and she was like, well, you're the one who kind of really pushed for this, and I was like. Really, I don't, I don't really remember it like that. She's like, well, no, I was kind of, you know, I wanted to have kids at some stage, but you were the one who was really, really pushing for it. And I was like, oh, that's so strange because I didn't remember it like that. But now that we're in the thick of it, I, I get why I was pushing for it because I had a sense that 
you know, the selfish kind of thing that we were doing was great. And if we never had kids, that would have been fine as well. But I really felt like I had capacity in my life to give to someone else. Yeah. You know, I'm not the biggest philanthropist or, you know, charity work or anything like that. But, you know, there was obviously a feeling inside of me that I had something to give. And it's, it's not necessarily like you're seeing the rewards in that first year. Like, it's not like there's any acknowledgement and, you know, God bless all those single parents out there because I don't know how they do it. I mean, I have a support network around me and even, even that I still find it very difficult. You know, I've been doing a lot of voiceovers lately, a lot of short notice. I'll get a call from someone. Can you come into a studio and trying to find someone to even just sit with the kid for like half an hour. I run into this voiceover. It's full on. It's really yeah. challenging. And then, yeah, I, like I have a partner that I can share that responsibility with, but it's all these things. It's the stress, but it's the reward. It's the love, but it's the, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the ego. it exposes all these things. And, you know, it also makes me appreciate what my parents did, you know, yeah. like I think maybe if I'd had kids earlier, I would have appreciated it a lot earlier. But yeah. honestly, man, like I look at my, what my mother did with those nine kids and, I just think how the how the hell did she how did she get through each day? But uh, people around the world do it. Oh, look, I know exactly what you're saying, and I thought I was some sort of special snowflake for having these kind of revelations. But clearly, it's just a, it's a common experience if you're describing it too. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing, and I, I did feel this with Georgia, but it really did double down with Wolf. This idea of as you mentioned, this this whole, you know, the selfishness. But by, by selfish, you just like it's a self-centered, no, this is what I want to do and this is what I want to do right now. It's not like a malicious selfishness or an arrogant no. selfishness. It's just like, a, no, I'm my priority. Thank you. Yeah. And I will do this because I want to. Having that taken away from you, you can look at it that way or you can look at it like oh, I'm willingly giving it because in return I get yeah. something way better than I could have ever imagined. And, yeah, you can hear it. And I heard other dads say it before it happened to me and I didn't believe it. Mm. But all I can tell you is that if you're a dad, if you're expecting, if you're worried what it's going to be like, it's it's going to be great, man. It's going to be really good. And who you get to become, who you get. The kids aren't the only ones that grow in the first year. Yeah. All right? You yeah. get to grow. You and your partner get to grow. You as a human, you as a relationship, the two of you get to grow possibly at the same pace, possibly outpacing your kid <laughs> or kids because you just freaking have to. And if mm. you don't, it can be a real problem. If you want to be holding on, no, 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 I, I go to the footy with the boys or I, you know, me and the girls, we, you know, we drink a box of fruity lecture on the Saturday night and that's always going to happen and that's how it's going to be. Like you can hold on to that, but it's going to come a cropper, you know, you're going to go veering off the road, willingly giving over to it and then understanding that, yeah, the kid's not the only one that gets to grow out of this, that you also get to grow out of this. And this is also evidenced by Maggie Dent, who runs a podcast called Parental as Anything. She told me that when men have their first baby, there's some sort of genetic pheromonal key that you inhale, right, mm. mind-blowing, that sets off a trigger in your brain that stimulates a growth of neuronal pathways, an explosion right. of brain growth. 
that you don't have like an explosion of brain growth well outside of when your brain stops growing in your 20s to help you deal with the new cognitive load that is required by fatherhood. Right. So you actually do get to grow like in an actual way and it's freaking brilliant. I listened to Sean McAuliffe talking about fatherhood years ago and he was saying, you know, the greatest thing about fatherhood to him was realizing he wasn't the center of the universe. Mm. Realizing that, uh, well, it's, it's not even realization, it's just kind of accepting the fact because you're right, you can hold on to your old lifestyle if you want. I would argue that most people, they just, they don't. Like something, it's not just the chemical shift, but everything shifts. I mean, that life that we had 12 months ago, or, you know, probably more 18 months ago, feels so foreign yeah. to me now. You know, we've talked about this in the upcoming season of Dad Pod, but the things that I, loved about you know my life pre-children has suddenly completely uh, inapplicable irrelevant now like my yeah. apartment for instance i love my apartment i loved it but now that i have a kid it's everything about it is just uh, impractical for having a child and you know that's not to say that's a bad thing it's just like an evolution and you do really kind of start to understand this idea of if there is a purpose for us being on this earth, then this seems to be it. Yeah. <laughs> Even at the basic level, but we're just meant to subdivide and, and, and spread, you know, like we're some kind of virus. Yeah. It makes sense because I just feel so content and happy in that family unit. Not that Jim and I weren't happy before, but something does change on a very primal level when you have this kind of young life. And even on a like just a purely aesthetic level, like looking at her – and seeing her change every day. Have you ever had this moment with Wolfie where you've put him down for a nap, you'll come in an hour later, and he looks like he's grown or oh, he's yeah, changed? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like a different kid. And it's yeah, like, for sure. I mean, and for someone, you know, like myself, and, you know, you, you would relate to this with anxiety or whatever, what a great way to stay grounded and in yeah, the yeah. moment. Yeah. It's hard for your mind to wander and to disappear into kind of negative fantasy when you've, you've got this thing in front of you that is constantly changing and requiring yeah. attention. And that's really helped me as well, certainly to deal with the anxieties that I have in my life. And, you know, the meds help, trust me, but also knowing that I've got no choice but to get into action. I've got no choice but to get my shit together. I've got no choice but to do whatever I can to make sure this boy doesn't copy this behavior. I've got no choice but to do everything I can to make this world a better place because mm. that's it. It's all it is all about making sure the world is going to be okay for these two kids. It, it's no longer about me. And the reward you get from giving that away is far better than holding on to it with both hands. It's amazing. Well, you know, we've, we've both become fathers in a very unusual time in yeah. the world's history. <laughs> like, I mean, if there wasn't enough stress to deal with in your first 12 months. And to all those expectant fathers out there, look, I, I, I am saying a sort of a little tongue-in-cheek. You roll on no matter what. Yeah. But what's your experience been like, Osh? I mean, obviously, you've got this work situation right now with the mass Singer and stuff. But uh, how has the pandemic, has it negatively, positively affected you in this first year? Uh, well, at first, it was great, you know, because I was, you know, not working, but that I was just focusing on like, well, I'm here with the kids and it's great. And I get to be up with him every morning and do the morning shift and then take him from dinner to bath to bed every night and, you know, just be around and I was loving it. But the, the, the only way I could describe it is that, you know, he was born into and Iona was born into the most terrifyingly devastating 
record-breaking, unprecedented bushfires in the history of our country, followed by a, a pandemic not seen in 100 years. We go, wow, that's unusual. That's all they've known. It's like mm. a- any kid born like, for example, and I'm not, you know, saying, you know, sometimes it happens, you know, a kid gets born without a foot and people go, what's it like only having one foot? They're like, I've only ever had one foot. I don't know what it's like to have two. This is what it's like. Yeah. And so with this situation, with these externalities, I'm sure we'll still be able to do all the things that need to get done. You know, we'll still be able to create memories. We'll still be able to bond. We'll still be able to make sure these kids grow up and have, you know, a good pathway to follow and a good, you know, sense of right and wrong and a good sense of being of service to others and trying to be the best humans they can. There's a selfish part of you though, right, isn't there, that looks at your mates who have kids that are school age and you're seeing them with the whole homeschooling thing and you're like, all right, I've got – five years to work this shit out <laughs> five years to come up with a plan yeah if there's two hits and we have to like homeschool it's like how do i how do i deal with this that's i'm looking at my nieces and my nephews and i'm like okay how do i how do i deal with that particular conundrum <laughs> it's the homeschooling thing from what i can tell from most of my friends that seems to be the toughest thing yeah. about the pandemic but like anything man we'll figure it out you figure it out because we have to figure it out because there's no other option but to figure it out We'll be all right. Yeah. We always do. We adapt. We overcome. We're humans. We have that ability. That's the thing that makes it happen. Sitting next to us. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Like, what are they doing? That seems to be working. All right, let's do that, everybody. That's how it's worked the whole time. And in fact, that's part of the reason why we, on Dad Pod Season 2, we get so many dads who are further down the line than us. So we can basically ask them questions like, hey, man, what do you do around this? Can you help us out here? And um, I thought we got, you know, we got some pretty good dads coming in on on season two, which is going to be really good. We did record it uh, a little while ago, but um, we're looking forward to getting it out uh, as quick as we can, which will be, uh, yeah. which will be good. Like a well-baked cake. <laughs> we yeah. kept it in the oven a little bit than usual. We wanted to make sure it was just right. Yeah, it's still moist. Don't worry. It's still moist. Now, Osh, before we wrap up this Father's Day edition of Dad Pod, I thought we could play a little bit of Father's Day trivia. How do you feel up? Do you feel up for that? I'm ready. Go. Okay. So this is spans a bit of pop culture. Like ordinarily on Dad Pod, we like to induct someone from pop culture into the Dad Pod Hall of Fame. We're not going to do that this time around. But what we're going to do is a bit of Father's Day trivia that centers on dads from TV, film, and popular literature. So um, it's multiple choice. Yeah. Don't feel uh, worried if, if you don't know the show or the or the movie in question because I'll, I'll give you a chance, a one in four chance of winning it. There's no Great. prize for getting this right. It's just the, uh, the personal pride in being a, a good dad on Father's Day. Okay, question one. Are you, are you a Trekkie? I have been known to be one, yes. Okay. In the Star Trek spinoff Deep Space Nine, Except what was for the that name? Show. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of Captain Sisko's son? Was it A, Cody, B, Mark, C, Aaron, or D, Jake? Oh, fuck. I'm going to say Aaron. (laughs) It was actually Jake. Uh, Jake Sisko. That's a good name. Okay, question two. This is a former entry into the Dadpod Hall of Fame, Uh Atticus Finch from Killer Mockingbird. Yes. Not only had two kids, but he had to deal with a town of angry folk. Mm. What was his job? Was it A, a minister, B, a lawyer, C, a doctor, or D, a writer? He was a lawyer. There you go. He's no fancy big city lawyer, but uh, he was a lawyer indeed. Oh, he was a good good lawyer. That was a good scene. Oh, Gregory Peck. 
Ah, geez, I really should have uh, pre-read these questions. This this, uh, this has been cancelled. Which one of these stars was the daughter of Cliff Huxtable, the dad from the Cosby oh, Show? Oh no, let's skip over that one. Uh, no, this is the daughters. It's the okay, daughters. All right. It's, was it Denise Huxtable, Donna Huxtable, Diane Huxtable, or Danielle Huxtable? Denise. Correct. There you go. Question four. Wally West, comic book character Wally West, loved his two kids and his wife and was a superhero by day. But what was his superhero name? Was he A, the Green Hornet, B, Ant-Man, C, the Flash, or D, Daredevil? Ant-Man? Ant-Man. <laughs> It was indeed the Flash. Wally West took over from uh, Barry Allen. Jay Garrick was the first Flash, then Barry Allen, then Wally West. Did you know, did you watch Little House on the Prairie? Big fan of that show at all? fuck no. It's one of those (laughs) terrible American shows that was on in the middle of the day when you're homesick from school, you hope something good was on. It was like this. Like, what are you watching this for? It was a wagon. Michael Landon, right? Yeah, Michael Landon. He was on it. How many daughters did Charles Inglis have in Little House of the Prairie? Oh. A, one, B, two, C, three, or D, four? Probably four because there was no condoms. <laughs> it was three. He had three, three children and a big pile of condoms. I'll have you know, uh, Ross. Well, all right, then. <laughs> uh, George Banks was the dad in the musical Mary Poppins. Which one of these songs did the character sing as the lead vocalist? Was it A, Feed the Birds? B, The Life I Lead, C, I Love to Laugh, or D, Step in Time? Uh, I'm going to say The Life I Lead. And that is correct. He also sang the cracking, let's go fly a kite up to the highest height. It's a great track. I haven't seen Mary Bowens in a long time. If you want to see the most terrible, like it's Dick Van Dyke's attempt at a Cockney accent is just it's terrifying. <laughs> Lars Griffin is married to who in Family Guy? Oh, Peg? No, Lois is married Lois. to what's his name? Do you want me to give you oh, Peter Griffin, Chris Griffin, Mickey Griffin, Francis Griffin? Oh, Peter Griffin. Yeah. Okay, uh, question eight. Which of the following is not a surrogate father figure in their respective TV shows? A, Rupert Giles in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. B, Sandy Cohen in the OC, C, Andrew Martin in Ringer, or D, Luke Danes in Gilmore Girls. Is so it, who all, is all, all shows I've never seen, so I'm going to guess the OC one. Andrew Martin is the father in Ringer. I've never even heard of Ringer. Yeah, you just copy-pasted this off the internet, didn't you? 100%. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, look at Great. That. It's, it's about American shows from a timeline that I wasn't around for, so it's brilliant. Well, we're moving into the world of literature now, so maybe you'll have uh, Is this like 20 questions? How many are we going to go through? Oh, we've only got four more to go. Okay, great. Jack Gladney, the father from the book White Noise, is an expert in what? A, ethical hacking, B, the phallus, C, sociology of fame, or D, Hitler studies? Oh, my God. White noise? Let's say Hitler studies. Correct. <laughs> there you have it. Three more to go. Arthur Weasley, father of Ron, belonged to which house during his time at Hogwarts? A, Ravenclaw, B, Gryffindor, C, Hufflepuff, or D, Slytherin? Uh, um, Audrey's going to kill me. She knows all of this stuff. Uh, Hufflepuff? Gryffindor. (sighs) The worst. Mr. Incredible worked briefly as a claims adjuster. What kind of claims do claims adjusters investigate? 
insurance. A, insurance related, B, mortgage related, C, redundancy related, or D, pension related? Oh, say insurance. Correct. Great. And last question, the surrogate father, George, in the movie Aaron Brockovich, enjoyed doing what in his pastime? A, surfing, B, horses, C, motorbikes, or D, carpentry? Motorbikes. Correct. There you have it. How did I go? I don't know. I wasn't keeping score. I'm not I, sure you did I, fine. I, I got to say, it was probably seven out of 12, which, you know, look, seven <laughs> out of 12 is a pretty good dad score. If you can get seven out of 12, you're doing better than half. Yeah. As long as the baby's still breathing and not bleeding at bedtime, you've done it perfect. Are they fed? Are they rested? You've done it perfect. Well done. See you again tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, That's it for our Father's Day edition of Dad Pod. The new season will be coming soon, so just check your socials to make sure. Check our socials, I should say. No, don't don't check your socials. Check our socials. Yes. Release date on that. Lots of great guests in this new season. Very excited to bring it to you. And, Osh, what's your tagline? I go to bed. Happy Father's Day, Charlie. Happy Father's Day, mate.